This episode of the Fireflies Unite podcast is sponsored by Saved and Depressed, a suicide survivor's journey of mental health, healing, and faith. After witnessing domestic violence and drug addiction as a child, I struggled with suicidal thoughts from the age of 12 years old into my second suicide attempt at just 24 years old, which led me to being forced into the psychiatric unit. When I reached out to my church family, they their comments pulled me away from the church and ultimately God. Even though I understood that their hearts were pure and genuine, they lacked the education on how to handle mental health challenges. In my book, I address generational trauma. I share my darkest moments, insecurities, how I work toward healing and rebuilding a relationship with God. I even offer mental health resources. And it is my hope that when you are finished reading my book, that you will begin to prioritize your mental health and realize that you can pray and see a therapist at the same time. Seeking mental health treatment does not mean that you lack faith in God. My book can be purchased on Amazon and is also available for Kindle readers. Let's get into the show. Fireflies Unite with Kia, your weekly podcast from the perspective of individuals thriving with the mental illness. We are normalizing the conversation about mental health within communities of color to foster mental wellness and empowerment. Welcome to another episode of the Fireflies Unite podcast with me, Kia, where our mission is to bring light into darkness, just like the fireflies, by simply sharing the stories of people of color who live and thrive with the mental illness, and of course, to normalize the mental health conversation. Happy Monday, everyone, and I hope that you had a fantastic weekend, and I hope that you enjoyed last week's episode where I talked about, you know, asking us why do we care so much and to stop letting people hold us back. If you all enjoyed that episode, please be sure to let me know what you thought of it. You can send me a DM. Uh, The best way to let me know, y'all know I'm always asking for reviews. Wherever you listen to the podcast, please leave your review, especially on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes because It makes the podcast become more visible when people are looking for podcasts to check out. Um, I am super excited to let you all know that July 7th from 2 to 6 p.m. I'm hosting my official book signing for the Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia metropolitan area. It will be at the Carolina's Kitchen in Hyattsville, Maryland. So if you are available, please come out and get a signed copy and get some good soul food. And yeah, I'm just super excited. A special thank you to Good Girls Getting Better and the Carolina's Kitchen um, and Dawn Moss, who is also the former Miss Black USA. She has been super supportive and love what I'm doing. And she's been partnering. She is partnering with me and hosting my book signing. And so I'm just so grateful to her for just taking time out of her super busy schedule and believing in my vision and helping me with my book signing. So I'll be sure to leave the Eventbrite link in there. It is free. um, So you can just come 
and you know purchase your copy of the book but I just need everyone who plans to attend to RSVP so I can make sure that I have enough books on hand that I and make sure that I don't run out so I hope to see you there um I have more announcements but like I said I'll let you guys know about those when I have more solid details so for this week's episode we are going to be speaking with Nikita Powell Cotman. She is the managing um she I'm sorry, she is the founder and editorial director of the Rally Up magazine. I was on the cover for this issue, the spring 2019 issue for the Rally Up magazine, and all of the proceeds supports the We Fight Foundation, which is a mental health organization. The magazine is only 1025, so I want to encourage y'all to get the magazine and support what she's doing with the We Fight Foundation. She is amazing. She has been doing a lot of great work in getting the word out and making sure that the stories of people who live with a mental illness, she just wants to make sure that they are told. So in this episode, I interview her and she talks about her experience with mental illness. She also talks about what it's like caring for her daughter who lives with um, mental illness and the things that she's gone through because her daughter has been struggling with mental illness since she was a child and now her daughter is in her early 20s and she really talks about what caregivers can do to take care of their mental health and also talks about the peaks and the valleys of helping and being the primary caregiver for a child who battles with a severe mental illness. So let's get into this episode. If you enjoy it, please share it on social media. Please, again, leave your reviews on wherever you listen to the podcast. Share it with a friend, email it, share it on social media, and I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who reaches out to me and let me know how the episode um, has impacted them. Thank you to everyone who reached out to me and let me know how the book has impacted them. I really do appreciate the feedback. It means a lot to me. It just lets me know that the work that I'm doing is not in vain and that you guys are listening and you appreciate the content that I'm bringing forth. If you have a suggested topic and you would like me to cover something, please just shoot me an email, kia at fireflyesunite.com or if you want, you can send me a DM or any form of social media. So let's get into this episode. Welcome to the Fireflies Unite podcast, Nikita. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well, too. I'm excited to have this conversation with you and just really talking about, you know, parents and caregivers who who support, you know, their children or other family members who live with a mental illness. And I know that you know, you are a mom and you are a huge supporter to your daughter who struggles um, with mental illness. Um, can you share when your daughter first started struggling and like if you noticed any signs? Um, I, If I wanted to like pinpoint an exact time of when she actually started having some struggles, um, where it was outside of the norm, um, I would I would have would have said first uh, first day of kindergarten because I felt it was unusual. This is the joke of throwing chairs 
um, you know, on her first day saying that they were teasing her. I, th- I thought that was a big extreme, but we got past that. But I would say to be exact, it would be when she was eight years old. Um, I was, she was at a school when she was, um, I thought it was that the, the kids, you know, I seemed like they were doing some little bit of bullying and I thought that the principal wasn't ta- really taking it serious. So I moved her to uh, Charles County and just to um, move her to a different school and thought that that would help. But I noticed that it got worse. Um, she started to sleep the whole entire time she was in class or she would be sent to the office and she would just be sleep on the principal's floor um, and strangely just having a conference, teacher's conference with one of her teachers, they actually asked me, do I think my child was depressed? But here I am, a mom, like, depressed? No, I mean, I had no um, education on it. I had no idea exactly, you know, um, the symptoms or what I was looking for of depression. And then you're talking about an eight-year-old. I'm like, how do you, how is, you know, I'm thinking I'm giving her the best of the world. Like, at that time, she, she was my only girl, you know, everything, she had every Barbie doll and I mean, all the things I think that a little girl would need or want and then um, the love, um, but all those things was just not enough. So um, even her even her teacher mentioning that to me, I, I really got a little offensive. And I said, no, she's just a t- attention seeking. She's one attention. She's spoiled. Or anything that I would um, to say to know that can't possibly be that she's spoiled. But at that time, they had gave her the diagnosis of being ADHD. Um, and so which weirdly, um, I, you know, they would say that that's like the hyperness and all this, but she was that at home, but not at school. Like, it was, you know, this, she, she showed more of those things, like the sleeping and all that at school. So that's why I was like, whatever this is, it's associated with school. Um, so I would say that it actually started then because things didn't get better. And in fact, it just got worse. Although I took her to a nutritionist, we changed her diet and they said that she needed to be on a gluten-free diet. And some of those things helped. They told me not to give her um, the the, the um, punch with red dye and all those things. Um, I did all those things I was supposed to do, and they did help. But um, as she went through the, the, the natural things, like I thought with puberty and everything, um, her attitude changed and things got worse. She, um, it, she started just acting out. And um, that school, I moved her to another school. She acted out in that school. Um, because it went from the sadness to aggression and irritation. So that's why I thought it was just like um, preteen. Then I tried to give it another label. I was like, she's just, you know, they have preteens go through things. She's just, you know, um, trying to like deal with her home, you know, her um, emotions and all those things. Because, you know, that, that at this time we're talking about puberty. So like I said, it never really got better. All it did was just get worse and worse. It even got to the point that I moved from from this state to Georgia. Just still trying to hop from school to school, trying to find the best thing for her, um, but not thinking of edu- my, educating myself on even that word depression. Like I would never have gave her that um, label of being depressed. So, I, I mean, I was already calling myself treating the ADHD, but I never just looked at her being depressed. So, so I would say it started... Um, as early as eight years old. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, so. wow. Yeah. I'm not surprised just because it didn't start as early as eight for me. I think it was, I was like maybe 11 or 12, but I'm not surprised that, you know, it started off 
initially like, okay, they're saying it's ADHD, but then you were saying like the, the incident where she was in kindergarten, you know, throwing chairs and like those things to seeing like, you know, as a five-year-old, like you're like, wow, that's a bit extreme. But then when you start to see as she started, you know, experiencing more things that, okay, maybe it's actually something deeper. Yes. Yes. So, um, like I said, it, she's always been, um, she's always done odd things. And that's the things that we need to stop overlooking. Like, we know it's not normal. But we just like, well, that's just, you just say, that's just that kid. You know, all our children are going to be different. I have four. But she always did odd things, things that were just unusual, you know. But I just like, that was just like, oh, that's just her. You know, you know how she is. Um, and and th- I think as parents, um, that's how we miss it. You know, we miss, I mean, even her and her pain, like, because she be- eventually became, a, she's self-harmed, but I can remember her being, I'm going back way back. She was probably about four, three or four years old. And she we had a bird and she went, and, here she is. I hear the bird chirping like crazy, like something was wrong. And she, I went in there and she actually had the bird in her hand, like squeezing her hand. And he was just, she was pulling the feathers out of you know, out his little butt or whatever. But he was picking oh. her and she was bleeding. She was bleeding and the pain did not bother her. Like any three or four year old would be like hollering. No, like, wait a minute, what is going on here? You know, so even then that sticks out to me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and so here you are about a year and a half later, here you, you throw a chair. So, you know, things kind of start making connections and you're going, wait a minute, maybe it was back then, but you know, like how they say, doctors always say, they don't diagnose kids early. You know what I mean? They want to wait till they get closer to teenage, then they give it a diagnosis. Like, I just felt like things were there slowly but surely. Like, she was different. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, me as a mom, I just loved her for who she was. And I was like, I'm very protective of her because she always stood out as being different, you know? Um so, um, so yeah, so I can say it's, I, I just, it's like, I can just think of different things that would probably say that it might have been something there, but the big, it really got really very noticeable was at eight. So, no, um, yeah, especially I think in terms of like not really having the education on depression or just what mental illness is. And so, you said initially started as ADHD, but then the teacher was like, do you think your daughter's depressed? So over time, what, what was your, uh, your daughter diagnosed with when she became older? When she, um, so her first attempt at suicide, she was, um, 13. It was two weeks after her um, 13th birthday. Um, so that was the, that was the, the, okay, something's definitely wrong. You know what I mean? Um, although, we found that what pushed her over was she was being bullied in middle school, but um, that's when they really test her. And um, but she did not get diagnosed right away. They just looked at it as just um, you know try to make the connection with the bullying, and she was depressed. So after she did maybe a week um, in a facility, she came home. Um, things really started just spiraling. Um, um, you know, of course, they were trying to, at this time, I'm still trying to educate myself. I didn't know about this different medications. So this, these medications were like increasing the suicide, um, the suicidal ideations and stuff like that. So um, I 
was switching medications, but I just remember her just spiraling and spiraling. Um, so they still didn't give her the diagnosis of being bipolar until um, those moments went from her being like severely depressed to her fighting, like she was fighting her brothers. She pulling out knives. She tried to fight her father. Like she's being aggressive. So she was um, um, actually um, admitted into a longer uh, facility when she was there for a month. Um, and, you know, because like I said, she became very, very aggressive. But before then, um, before that particular um, hospitalization, she, um, the depression is what they put on, the manic depression is what they put on her first. Like just saying she was just severely depressed um, because she just, it's just like she didn't, although they were giving her these different medications, it's like, it's just like the mood stabilizer just kind of kept her in that little funk. And she um, started to cut, you know, um, I don't know, like she was, she was not a cutter before all that started, but she started to cut. Um, she even made, uh, try to make another attempt. So she ended up in a facility where she was there for um, a month. So she ended up spending like her, um, after the incident, with the, once it turned to the aggression, she ended up spending like a month, um, um, I mean, like spending her rest of her eighth grade year in a facility where she just finished out school because she just, it, it was like in and out. I'm just like thinking of like, she was in and out of there like, oh gosh, probably about four or five times. It just got to a point like she's not going to, you know, we need, she needed to finish school. So they had a facility. It was like set up with like therapeutic horses and um you know, animals. So it was a very beautiful place. It was in Georgia. And um, and so she did seem like she was much calmer. And they did the way they had it all set up and with her finishing school, it broke my heart because she spent like holidays in there, you know. But um, I was afraid that I couldn't, I, I was going to lose her because I, could, I didn't have that tool to take care of her. So during that time, they provide like uh, classes and support groups. That's why I learned a lot of my stuff they were so good. They provided so much um, tools and teaching me what I needed to care for her. So um, I think I went along with her being there for that long because I was afraid I was going to lose her because she was just really trying to take herself out. You know, she was just that depressed. And then it just, and then when it went to her fighting, I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, so now she's trying to not only hurt herself, but she's trying to take whoever getting away, you know, like she was just that, you know, it was just like, I had no idea what was going on. I was totally just in the blind. So I, like I said, I started to just educate myself, eat, sleep, everything, psychology. When they told me about manic depression, I learned everything I learned about that. Um, and then at that time when she had the aggression, that's when they diagnosed her with being bipolar. I learned what that was, you know, um, um, and um, the different levels of the bipolar. Um, even with that, that changed, you know, from the one to the two, she changed. I didn't got, we done went back and forth with that. So we just say bipolar disorder because she's got both. One, one doctor, one, you know, one therapist, psychiatrist, you know, diagnosed it with this and you turn around it's a different one because she went to a different facility, they diagnosed it with that. So, um, so she, um, the diagnosis came, right? She was about maybe 13 to 14. Those, those years went by, so it was 13, 14 is like right before she turned 15, like right those two years is like, all I can remember her is going in and out of facilities. Um, she has tried so many medications. One of the medications even was called the hallucination. We went through a lot, um, but she, um, 
she got her best therapy when she did the, um, like I say, it was an on-campus type of therapy versus the hospitals where they have the um, in and out patients, like you stay there for a week and then they do the outpatient um, therapy. She That didn't work for her. So it was actually when she went to um, the facility where it was, like I said, it was more um, structured um, and they really um, provided, they worked with the family. See, that's the key thing. Like even going to those hospitals, if they just send in her home and not giving uh, the caregiver anything to tools or things that they're just giving paperwork saying, okay, this is the medication that she's on and uh, make sure she's here in the outpatient um, on these dates. But yet they haven't told, told the caregiver anything. So you're, you're winging it. You don't know. So all you know is that something seems odd. Hurry up and take her back. Then your child gonna be in and out of facility, in the out facilities. One thing I say, the difference of her being in the um the, the facility where she was literally like a um like I said, it was like a um a campus. They set up um so you know like um group therapy where the parent come in and you know you had um family the your siblings come in and they they um meet with her as well and then we learn her we learn her triggers and we learn um what triggers are because i didn't know what a trigger what you mean triggers you know we learned all that that we needed so when she was released from there um when she was actually released from there she i had more to work with and i knew what to do for her more than i had when she was released from the hospital like just the, the, the initial hospital um and the blessing with that is she hasn't been back in since then. Now I done had um I done had incidents where um she has um had to like she has had her attempt of you know suicide um but with those like being like the long term um hospitalizations or whatever like i even had the doctors to release her to me we would have a conversation they was like wow you seem like you have all the tools that you need to um care for her they would just give me extra stuff but they would release her to me so i felt honored to say wow i'm you know that i was able to have a conversation and they knew that i knew all the things to do um and they was like they felt like that she was going to be stronger and come out and more she just stay home just they would do an outpatient th um therapy session i would take her in addition to um, you know, um, her being released, but she didn't have to go to a facility. So that was a blessing. So, um, yeah, so I, so right now her diagnosis, um, you know, she's um, bipolar, but then they also, so I didn't even, because I always thought that, you know, um, only reason why I know it's the separation of the depression and bipolar is I know I hear people saying bipolar is the both of both worlds, but I, she was diagnosed with depression before she was diagnosed with having bipolar. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think it is. It's a lot for especially I can imagine for a parent watching their child going through this and at one point feeling hopeless, like I don't know what to do. I'm not educated on this or just so many things going through your head. But then also it's like now I've become educated and I understand what's going on with my child. Um, but through the years now, now your daughter, she's in her, she's in her early twenties now. Yeah. Um, so we're celebrating, um, 
like um, like I said, we do this, the um, annual rally. I know we haven't gotten into that, but we do that for celebration of life. So I started as um, to celebrate the life of the survivors, you know, those who are still here who are suicide survivors and those who are still fighting. So um, this year will be 10 years from, you should be 23. So we're going to like celebrate. This is going to be um, big, you know, a big celebration. It's a party um, because I'm looking like this is a 10-year mark, you know, um, although, like I said, we I'm never we had our ups and downs, and there, and there were um, five of attempts that followed that first one. But I would say that um, I knew the signs, um, although I couldn't get to most of the times I couldn't get to her before she, uh, you know, attempted. So I knew the signs though to be able to provide her the help she needed or get her to a hospital in time to save her. You know, so that's the blessing in it. So I'm not trying to tell anybody if it's a caregiver listening and saying like, don't think that, you know, um, you know, that, um, that it can't happen again. But what I will say is a hundred percent preventable because if you have the, the sign, you know, the signs, you're educated on it. And if they're, they're changing, whether it's the way they're talking, their behaviors, or, um, even if it's a sudden thing and you're talking to them on the phone, even if they reach out and, you know, um, for, her cry help. Her cry help is on social media. And um, I wasn't always the one to totally 100% follow her page, but now that I know that that's one, one of her go-tos, I even um, have put a post out there was saying, you've got to pay more attention. Don't stop taking people lightly if they post on social media, that they're going to do anything harm, harmful to themselves. Um, inbox that person or try to find someone that's connected to them to let them know if they can check on them, check on them because um, I was really upset that one of the times that um, she had 800 followers and only one person reached out to me. And that was her, her best friend that lives in Georgia and called me in tears saying, Ma, have you watched, have you uh, looked at her post lately? And I said, no, I'm at work. And she said, I think you need to check it right away. And that was the blessing. And, and mind you, it's family members, it's friends connected to the page of mine who nobody reached. They said they saw it. They apologized. They said, I saw it. But I, I, I don't be know what to say to her. I said, it's not about what you say to her. Just tell me. Tell me. And so I was able to react right away. I had um, called her. She didn't answer. But I had a um, church sister who lives nearby. And I said, look, I think Kanae's suicidal. You're the closest one to her. And I knew she was home during the day. I need you to knock on that door. If she do not answer, you call 911 and let them know her situation. Let them know that she's, um, you know, she has uh, bipolar, and, you know, and the fact that she might be suicidal, and they had my permission to knock that door down. And sure enough, she wouldn't answer. They had to go use force, but they got there. She had already took the pills. The blessing is she took metformin, um, but she didn't know to counteract it. She was really trying to, like, she took a whole bottle, like maybe a half a bottle of metformin, but she took... Um, uh, with the alcohol, some alcohol, but the alcohol had sugar in it, so it counteracted with the metformin. She didn't know that. So, um, but just in that instant, you got to move fast. You got to react fast. You can't, you know, so if you know the signs, if you know what to look for, and you're proactive with things, it's 100% preventable. Um, but we got to pay attention to our loved ones. We got to pay attention to them um, and check on them if they're too quiet. So, I'm glad that, you know, you're a parent that is really involved in you're like, I'm educating myself opposed to because there are some parents who are they will be in denial and be like, 
you know, I'm not speaking that over my daughter or my child. I'm, you know, I'm just going to pray. But it's like, you're like, yeah, I'm praying, but I'm also doing the things I need to do in the physical too. How was that, not just, how was that parent though, a little bit? How was that parent a little bit? Because you don't want to be a child labeled. So when they first labeled ADHD and it's kind of around and saying, oh, I said, now the teacher want to call her depressed. How was that parent? I'm a prayer. I stayed in the war, my war, my war closet, my war room. I had a praying closet, but that prayer closet also sent me the resources of these doctors to help me get the help that my child needs. So when she did hit rock bottom with the suicide, I suicidal attempt, I still had my war closet, my prayer room that, okay, God, what's next? This, you gave this to me. I need to know what's next because prayer, you know, I'm saying, yes, it, 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 trust me. I am, a, I am. I live, that's my, I, I'm not, I'm nothing without God, you know what I mean? But I also believe in my heart that um, even the, it's the to, just, just the feeling of knowing something is wrong, all those things are connected because I stay praying and praying for her, you know what I mean? And I know that he allows me, if I'm all the way upstairs in my room and she's in the basement, go check on her. You understand what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a connection there, you, but do not be so blinded of like, oh, you know, I'm not going to put those labels on my child. And I pray that things often and I, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus, you know, but then boom, you know, your child have a suicide attempt and you're not just as blessed as I am and you lose them. And then you are praying like I could have, should have, would have, you know, you don't want to put yourself in a situation. Don't, you know, mental illness is real. And then also, you have to remember the world they're coming up in. It's much harder for them. So their their thought of taking their lives can be due to that bullying or not being accepted. The social, you know, trying to be socially, you know, trying to find uh be find life and just having friends and being sociable and trying to find their way and their identity. That stuff is hard for them. And so some can handle it. You got one of your children, you know, your child may handle it very well and be very popular, but then this particular child cannot, uh, this could maybe be some, it may be some underlying mental illness and it may not because we always mistaken that, you know, what's traumatic to us may not be, you know, may may be even more traumatic to her. So that's what I'm just saying, like, we got to stop overlooking that it's not just demonic. It's not just oh, the devil. You know, it's the world we live in. It's the things that our children have to worry about in school and trying to fit in and, you know, all those things. And so we miss it or we want them to be tough. I had to fight my way. They can't be soft if it comes to boys and you're not getting your involved and being a voice for them. So we have to fight for them. It's hard for them. And that's what bring on um they they nervous, they got anxiety, they they nervous about going to school. So different things that cause these um these feelings and thoughts and then they get tired. I know we you know, they get tired of fighting because they feel like they're fighting by themselves. So we definitely have to take it beyond just praying. You gotta be doers. You know, God gives us these tools and there's so much mental health out here. Um, mental, mental health information and resources. We have to be doers. We have to pray for our child and then also find what they need to, to be strong, not just physically strong, but mentally strong to be able to handle the stressors of what they're facing now. And it comes down to just being a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's interesting, though, despite the challenges that you have had with your daughter, 
but you've also seen her improve throughout her recovery. So can you talk about successes that your daughter has had despite her challenges with her mental health? One, one, the first, the first um, success that we had when we moved back here um, from Georgia after she was released from the, um, from, you know, from the hospital, from her um, hospital. Um, remember I told you she did her eighth grade year there, we moved back. So mind you, she had to start high school. Um, so I was, the, one of the first success we had was the fact that um, we came back, because at that time we was like kind of, her body had gained weight, she was taking so many medications. Her liver was, um, um, I forgot what they called it, but she has one of the things, one of the medications that caused for the numbers to be high was her liver. And then she had gained some weight. So we just decided to go through like this um, detoxing thing under a, um, like a ho- holistic doctor, nutritionist type thing. Um, so she was actually able to go her whole um, high school years without medication. Mm-hmm. So would I say that that was easy? No. But what I will say that I thank God for the tools and the educations and and at that time recognizing that she really needed me most um, to really um, get her through those four years. But that was a big success for her. Um, she had her moments. I remember the 12th grade year, she was just flunking out royal and I'm thinking like, oh my God, you're going to have to put on some medication. Um, but I can learn some sleepless nights sitting at the table with her and just like um and you know we came too far just really pouring to her um now we have some um you know you have the like the um you have different over-the-counter stuff that would like i remember john uh, st john's words and certain things that take the edge off but not like i said the um those are um um like herbal type of um things that's um, over the counter that is out there like st john's where chp you know um things like that uh and um melatonin and stuff like that to help her sleep but when i say the medication medication part no we didn't do any of that and in fact it was um it was a black doctor uh, a therapist and he was in georgia who told us like one of the things is the um underlying like a little thing that they help with it's a part of the medication they gave him to help her sleep is the benadryl so that was one thing that was i go to when she couldn't sleep because she had insomnia bad but what i say will say is she got through her uh high school year and um with no medication. Um, so that was one of her first um, milestones and, and blessings and um, that she was able to get through. So, and the whole thing was, will she be able to work? So she was able to get a job after that and she did start working. But I think the transition from high school to adulthood um, caused her to have a mental break. So after three months of working, she was out of work for a year um, and she did have to go to uh, medication. So. She has been on medication since then, but that was definitely a milestone for her to be, that was a first, you know, to be able to go that long without medication, especially starting out at the age of 13, um, being on all kinds of medication. So, um, so she was out of work for three, three uh, for a whole year after being um, working for three months. So we thought that um, the, the state of mind that she was in, that she wasn't going to be able to work. But, um, like I said, we um, I'm always trying to find different ways of like helping her um, transition, like that just that whole drink transition period of trying to come from being um, in high school to now I'm an adult, not supposed to have a job. She wants to be, you know, do the things that she's supposed to do as an adult. She felt like she didn't want me to take care of her as an adult, 
So um, that was um, hard for her. So to be able to go back to work after, after a year, that was another milestone for her. And the second time around, she was able to work for an entire year. So she was super excited about it and, you know, really felt good about it. Um, but um, like I said, it's ups and downs with her. So then she um, had a challenge. She wasn't out as long. She um, had another break breakdown and um, she was out um, for a little while, but she's able to go back to work. So she's back to work again and she's working um, night shift and she's doing very well. She is the vice president, um, we was chairperson, vice chair of our foundation um, that we started together. Um, I started the foundation, we fight foundation, instead of being the mom startup foundation and remembrance of my daughter, we started a foundation together to fight together. And so our motto is I fight, you fight, you fight together. Um, so she definitely has played a major part in doing it together. She has um, led a team support group and was able to um, help a couple of teams through their bout. Um, she is now the fashion director of our Valley Up magazine, and she, her confidence has built tremendously. Um, when she first got in front of the camera, you know, it was funny, it's like, God, she's like, she needs to be fashion director, so she is not gonna wanna do nobody's camera or fashion, but now she just does it with, oh, it's the most beautiful thing, and it just touches my heart. Um, watching her be um, in charge of that section. So um, she is definitely um, has come a long way. She has not um, self-harmed in a very long time. Um, not saying that the tip's not there, but she's doing very well with that as well. So she has had a lot of success. Um, she just being a, a part of her support group, um, her support system, and also having um, other family members, we have sat down and had talks with them and, and asked them to be a part of her support system. So she has numbers in her phone that she knows she can call and go to if I'm not available. Although I'm always like probably the first one in line, but I had to help her show that she had to have someone to support her outside of me, although she still struggled with friendships and stuff, but I had to let her know that there was other people that love her and, um, care for her that she can call on them in her time of need when she can't get me. And that's, um, so I had, we set those things up and those things are important, um, especially when she's having a moment and she can't get in touch with me. So there's a lot of things that I have tools and stuff, you know, just to give her or even be there for her to help her make it through. But just these are things that um, mental illness can um, paralyze you, like cripple you if you don't have the, the tools and the resources and things to, um, with all the things you need to, uh, to fight and to be able to um, make it through. So, um, so though she has, she's definitely come a long way. She actually even was able to do a little bit of college. I think it was a bit much for her. She do wants to go back eventually, but um, so she she's coming along very well, um, considering. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great, and I'm really happy that you pointed out things like she was able to make it through high school without medication or like she was able to hold the job or like, you know, running the fashion section. Like, I'm really happy that you pointed out things where to some other people, maybe, maybe not a big milestone, but I like, I see from knowing, from learning about like you as a person and like from seeing how, you know, important the mental health movement is for you. Like, 
you make it a point to celebrate every milestone for your daughter, like no matter how small. And I think that is really important because some people it's easy to be like, oh, that's that's just that. But not realizing when someone struggles with the mental illness, though, it doesn't matter how small it could be a really big stride in their recovery because those are Absolutely. the building blocks. Yeah, because those are the building blocks that give gives her you know, the encouragement and builds her confidence and her self-esteem to make more strides if you're making sure that you're highlighting each milestone. So I think that... Absolutely, absolutely. Even something as simple as taking a selfie. She she hated pictures. She hated pictures because she felt like she was ugly or she felt like she was too fat or she felt like she her face was too dark or she had like her skin sort of has like mixed um, tones to it. That's just from her day, it's a, it's a, it's hereditary, you know. But she, you know, just all these things she didn't like about herself, and so to see her sit there and take a selfie and be smiling and be in public, like, mm, I'm beautiful, and I'm like, yeah, I'm pumping her, like, yes, baby, because I always thought she mm-hmm. was beautiful, but because she was, she's owning it now. So you mm-hmm. know, and to see her confidence build up, so, and that was the goal with even the being a fashion director to help. Not because when she started, she didn't have those confidence. And if anyone ever did go from the beginning of the magazine, the first magazine, to see the magazine now, you were like you could see the transition of from the first magazine to now, how she just owning it. Like, yes, I'm beautiful and I know it. Yeah, I got a few things going on, but that's okay, you know. Um, and so, like I said, um, and like I said, it still go hand in hand the faith in this hope because at the same time. Being able to know that you're in a dark place, and I hear the gospel music going down there, and I'm going down there. She's already pumping. She's already pointing to herself. So that is therapeutic. She will put her gospel music on. She's crying, but I know she's at a bad place. She says, "Mommy, I'm so dark. I woke up this morning. Um, you know, my thoughts are so dark right now. I've been down here just trying to play gospel music and get myself out of this funk. I need you to pray for me. So 100% for those who do pray for their children, it is definitely necessary, but it still goes with other things that comes along with that. And that's getting the therapy. And if they need medication, allow them to take it. Especially when you get to adulthood, you'll know when it's time that you want to wean yourself off or you need it or not need But some people just need it. It's going to be a continuous thing. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Say it's, you know, um, you know, just like if you have blood pressure and you need a tiny blood pressure pill, to, to, to keep living, that's okay. So if you just need this um, medication because, you know, you know your thoughts go really dark, that's okay. And being okay with it, you know, and not looking at it like it's a bad thing because I can't go without this medication because I know my thoughts go really dark and I want to live, you know. But on top of that, that's not enough for her. She still needs her family. She needs me. She But she knows to go to God. She would play her gospel music down there. She would, and, you know, sometimes she's too, she's too, dark to pray for herself, but she will ask someone to pray for her. So those are milestones to me. Those are things that she wouldn't do in the beginning. Instead, she would just turn to saying, I want to, I'm done. I don't want to do this more. I don't want to give up. And, you know, and I'm going to try to say this again, because every time I say it, I get emotional about it. But just even knowing that, like at the age of 18, that was her, that was her cutoff. Mm. That was her time that she said, I'm done. So even recently, we just talked about it. Here you are, 22 years old, saying, Mommy, um, did you know at 18 I already had it written out? I knew what I was going to do. I was going to take, I was, I was done. I refused to have you take care of me as an adult. You did all that for me as a teenager. I was not going to let you take care of me as an adult. 
she told me she had it all knocked out. She said, but we wasn't supposed to be home. She said something shifted that people were home. She wanted to, she put, I remember her putting on, she, the day she was talking about, she put on this big argument and fight so she could be left alone. She wanted everybody to be mad at her so it can be easier for her. And for whatever reason, we wasn't home. We, I mean, we we end up being home because when she could see what she felt and realize that we we know her signs now. The family know her signs, and most people if that would put somebody away if they were that nasty, cursing you out, calling your names, and acting a fool. People are like whatever, let her stay there by herself. She tripping, but no, we know that's her cry for help. That she's at a different place, and that's when she, most of the time when she's suicidal. See, for my daughter, she doesn't get just sad when she's suicidal. She's she acts that way when she's suicidal. And we learned that over the years that we didn't leave her alone that day. And she said to me that day, she said, why y'all love me that much? Y'all made it hard for me. Won't y'all just stop loving me so much so it can be easier for me to give up? Mm. The devil is a lie. Mm -hmm. So I say, you, know, you might as well just keep on. That won't be uh, one of the reasons there because we're going to continue to level and you're going to continue our kick. So I don't allow her going and get angry and get nasty like that to affect, um, you know, me because I can't take it personal because I do not know that that's one of her signs that she is in a dark place and she's suicidal. See, so, so that's why I said so some people can miss that. You got to know your, 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 the person you care for. You got to know your child. You got to know that they show things differently. So it's not going to always be, I'm not eating. I'm going to stay in the bed all day. I'm not going to bathe. Now, trust me, those have been those times too, but those, but the aggression has been probably 80% of the way she would act before she attempts suicide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Know, see, so. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think it's important. You brought up knowing the signs because some people don't, or some people will be like, I know what my mother told me. Like, she was like, when you get an episode, you're really nasty. And I know like, it's not easy for people to deal with me or it's easier to cut people off. Cause it's like, it's too much stress. I got all my own stuff going on. It takes special people in your life to be able to manage um, and support a loved one who deals with the mental illness. But as a parent, I feel like Parents, no matter how old their child get, they're always going to feel the need to be to be responsible because it is their child, even if they are an adult. And so mm -hmm. despite those challenges, though, like you have been able to see your daughter like blossom and some oh people God. don't get that experience because their suicide attempt is, unfor is unfortunate and it is, a you know, they're successful at it. Um, I don't want call it a for granted. Mm. Yeah, I don't think that's for granted. Yeah, it's a. I mean, yeah, it's a major blessing, and I wouldn't even call you know, no suicide is not a success, but um, it's a an unfortunate situation where you know it it they were not able to survive, and I think just in terms of you dealing with you know with everything, what you know, what do you do to manage your mental health because. This definitely takes a toll on you as well, too. I had to first um, detox my circle. I had to really reevaluate who I had around me because I noticed that there were times that my cup did get empty and I had nobody. So I had to first reevaluate re who I had in my circle. 
And I had to really say it's time to do some changes around here because at the end of the day, um, some people really felt like, you know, you know, like I said, she can handle you the strong money. I need people, you know, like I said, I need some people that can pour into me as well. So I thank God for the people I have in my circle now. Um, and, and, and I, that recognizes when I do need a little assistance, you know, and um, getting through my day, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I deal with anxiety myself, you know what I'm saying? And then recently I started dealing with depression. I think it was seasonal and I'm praying it's just seasonal, <laughs> you know, but um, this was, this probably helped me to be even more understanding of my daughter, of what she's been going through. Because I never, it's not until I was doing a post and I started reading something of depression, not that I didn't know it, but just for for whatever reason that day, those it was just like whatever applied to me was just standing out like a sore thumb, and I'm like, oh my gosh, is this what I'm feeling right now? Um, so uh, I think I thank God for my husband, who I, I opened up to him, and he now recognizes the things that I go. So when those days he's like opening up the windows, I have to take extra vitamin D, you know, take do things to take care of myself. Exercise is big, even though I'm not a person to exercise, but I will say. And when I exercise, I feel so much better. Um, I have to definitely take weekend, I mean, excursions. Like I have to say, tell them when I know the house is good, she's good, everybody's good. I have to go away. Even if they just weekend excursions, um, I try to make it monthly, if not every other month. But I have to take, go away and just let, leave everything here and just say, I got to go get some time, you know. But I just got to listen to my body and know that when it's time to rest, it's, it's time to rest. I got to know also that it's okay to take a mental day because I feel like I got to always be there for everybody else. But I had to realize that if I'm not even doing good, how can I be there for everybody else? So I had to learn to say, it's en- it's, enough is enough. I need to shut it down and I need to take some time for me. So even with being the founder and all this of the magazine and the foundation, and you know, you can get all caught up with, oh, you got to post consistently on social media. So every day, just post, post, post. If I skip two, three days, or even a week, it's okay because mm-hmm. I got I got to take care of myself. I got to chill myself. I'm sorry I didn't give you the motivation and the inspiration you wanted for today, but today wasn't a good day for me, and I have to be okay with that and say mm-hmm. it's okay. I didn't post today. Um, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it when I feel better. But I have to recognize that I'm not having a good day, and I'm not going to force myself to do this before the sake of others. Because guess what? If I'm totally burnt out, I have nothing. But it's a big responsibility. And I know I was pushing to my purpose through all that I have been through going through with my daughter. I've been definitely pushing to my purpose and I, I and I'm walking with this thing 100%. And I know there are people attached to me. I get inboxes, I get texts, I get people calling me, but I have to recognize when I'm, I'm overwhelmed because I do have my days and I'm overwhelmed and I, and, and I got a letter. I might even have to have me a good cry, you know, but when I get through that point, I'm, my cup is back full and I'm able to pull back into other people's lives. But I, I'm no good if I'm overwhelmed and burnt out. So I have to listen to my body. Um, and I try to shut it off at a certain time. I'm not always great with it, but I'm trying to shut it off at a certain time of night and get me some rest, you know, give me some rest and start again the next day. That's big for me too, because I notice if I don't get any rest, um, my anxiety is off the chain. I'm, ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm not having good days at all. So I have to get rest and big for me. I have to get some sleep. Um, because even on top of just my anxiety, um, you know, I had developed, uh, uh, 
some heart conditions over a couple of years ago. So I, now, like, I can't take on so much stress anyway. So, um, you know, it's self-care is big. You have to take time out for yourself. You have to know, feel your body, know your body, you know, take your vitamins if you need to and try to eat the best you can, like um, good meals and whatever. But big thing is just knowing, listening to your body and not ignoring if you're feeling a certain kind of way. Because most of the time, I know me as a mother, I push, I push, I push, I push for the sake of my children, for my family and, you know, being a provider. I push, but I have to listen to my body. If my body says, lay down, I need to lay down. And sometimes I need a nap. I need mm-hmm. to take, and if it say take a nap, I'm going to take me a nap because I, I feel my body saying you need to rest. So listening to your body is big. You have to take care of yourself because you're not, you know, and for, and even for her, like, I don't, as much as, you know, you want them to live that normal, quote unquote, what's considered normal, like moving out, getting your own spot and all that. She needs a medic, she needs medication administration because that's her go-to. So that's just like, um, um, to keep your 100, if you have like have an addict and you know, that's when you won't give them the, you won't put it in their face. So she can't give herself her own medication. You know what I'm saying? So she has, she needs, she's going to always need medication administration. That's not something that's going to go away because that's her go-to. Even in her room, she can't have like, um, like if, for instance, if I go down to her room and I see her bulb missing, I got to be on my, my duty. Where your bulb at? I can't go through, due to, um, oh, it just busts, so I just threw in the trash. Well, where is it now? You know what I mean? I have to be that attentive because she would cut, she would break a bulb and use it for cutting. So these are the things that you got to pay attention to as a caregiver. You got to be on it. You know what I mean? Um, and always being attentive. So I can't be tired because I'm not going to pay attention to what I need to pay attention. If I'm tired and burnt out, I'm going to miss something. So I got to be on, like, I got to be always on alert. You know what I'm saying? So self-care for me is big because I got to always still be on alert. So I don't know, like, um, if she'll be able to quote unquote live on her own. I don't know. That's my sunshine. I want the best for her. And I always try to make sure she lives a meaningful life and live as, as fully as possible, as normal, quote unquote normal as possible. You know, whether that's having a job, I'm praying that she'll be able to uh, drive, but she's having some physical challenges. So I don't know if that's going to um, allow her to drive, but I want to have as, as much as was considered a normal life as possible because I don't want this um, diagnosis to define what she can do and what she cannot do. Um, but living mm-hmm. on her own, we don't know if that's something she'll be able to do. Even when she thought she was ready to live on her own, she came to me crying and she said, Mommy, I'm scared. She said, I thought I wanted to live on my own. She said, But I'm afraid that I'm going to have wake up in a, and be in a dark place and I'm not going to be strong enough to call you. She said, At least I know if you're in the house, you know what I'm saying? I know at some point you're going to check on me. That we both started crying. I'm crying. She crying because these are the reality of some things you have to face as a caregiver, you know, but it's okay because y'all can fight together. Mm-hmm. You can fight together. So if it's day by day, hour by hour, month by month, whatever, you're fighting together. They're not fighting alone. And so with that, it's going to continue to be success stories. It's going to continue to be milestones. So always celebrate those milestones, even if they seem small, you know, something as simple as, she wasn't able to go to the malls by herself because she was afraid, anxiety and stuff. Well, she was like, I'm going to go um, just take her baby sister. I'm going to take my baby sister to the movies. I'm going to take, she couldn't, can you, she wasn't able to do those things. Mm-hmm. So those things are such, such a blessing that I'm going to, so I told her, I'm so proud of you. She was able, wasn't fearful, wasn't afraid. 
And she took a baby sister to the uh, movies, took a little uh, lift and everything. But she, these are things that she couldn't do in the past. Mm-hmm. So it all comes with fighting together. Me taking care of myself, she teaching her how to take care of herself. And believe it or not, we take care of each other because she know I have my days. And she do come up here and check on me. She checks on me too. So we take care of each other. I love it. I really do. It's just such a, as challenging as it is, it's also a beautiful story because of the bond that it's brought you and your daughter closer together. And because of, you know, the things that you've gone through, it led you less to, it led you to start two awesome things that you're working on. So it's interesting that I was saying maybe for like the past two years that I was you know, considering doing the magazine because I didn't see anything um, that was mental health focused that were that had people of color in it. And just so happened, we wound up getting connected somehow on social media when I was thinking about this. And I was like, look at God. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, you know, I discovered your magazine and I was just so blown away at the work that you were doing because I'm like, this is great. This is not to say, you know, I'm still working on the things that I'm working on, but the fact that someone is doing it, it's a blessing because the message is getting out. So can you talk about what led you to start the Rally Up magazine and, you know, why you think it's needed? Well, um, like I said, we originally um, started the foundation foundation and nonprofit together. uh, And that kind of keep you in a box, you know, you, you, you do your social media, media exposure, you have events. Um, like I said, we started um, having the rally at the Bus Boys and Poet, Poet every year, um, providing that platform to people express themselves through performance arts um, and um, celebrating life. But, you know, sometimes you just feel like you're in a box, it's just not enough. And I'm like, is it really getting out? Because you don't know how many, it's other people that don't go on social media. They don't, look at social media, you know, that's not their thing. So it's like, um, how can we get, we need to get into other people's homes. And mind you, uh, when we first moved back from Georgia, we had an incident where there was a lot of um, um, deaths um, in the area that we were in, like um, high schoolers, like committing suicide. So I remember talking to my daughter and sort of like, um, we were just talking about different ways we can impact, um, just, just, you know, just getting out and, um, getting um, awareness out there, suicide prevention stuff. Um, and I remember mentioning, I have notes of us mentioning the magazine and then um, not the name, but just gloves, the gloves that you'll see on the logo and just talking about it. And so um, that was uh, years ago, I want to say like ooh, 2012, but um, not until last year where it was just like, I, um, you know, I prayed about it on the strength of like, God, how can I get it out here? Um, more into homes and other stuff. I heard it so clear, a lot of clear magazine. And I said, God, I don't have no who, how, I don't have no money. <laughs> like that's what costs money, you know. Um, I don't have a, you know, like a graphic artist. And I, and when I first started checking it to him, I mean, you talking about hey, this to do the get the graphic artist. They talking about eight hundred dollars, and I'm looking like who got that money? <laughs> but then when I talk to other people, they're like, I'm doing it myself. I said, Well, God, I'm not that computer savvy. And I try to go to computer science school and I flunk. I don't know nothing about programs and designing like that, you know, to create, you know, magazines. So 
it really seemed like it was going to be impossible, but I was like, but I hear loud and clear that God, this is what you want me to do. And when I say all you have to do is just say yes, all I said yeah. was yes. He just started sending me people and resources and writers. And you would not have told me here that I'll be right here where I am right now. <laughs> Considering the day I woke up and started writing stuff down, just writing it down, like, and I'm telling, you know, like, my, um, these, we aren't even married then. Um, you know, my fiance going, oh, you know, uh, God tell me to write like, do this name. I would do it. I'm like, well, how? You know, I didn't have no. It wasn't like I was given a lot. I even tried to talk to someone who had a magazine. They told me they started out doing a um a what is it um email blast email blast mm-hmm. like a newsletter type thing. Mm-hmm. And they told me they started out doing a blog. And I said, well, I'm not. I don't have that type of time. And it's not like I journal, so I'm not. Blog was definitely not my thing, you know. And then I'm like email blast. You know, because I'm, you know, those are things I still struggle with, just trying to uh, oversee something like that. So I'm praying for an assistant in that area. So I know what I say was, I didn't. It was definitely, um, it was definitely. I feel like something that was connected to what we, what I was supposed to do. It was another uh, thing, a purpose that God, you know, just something that He already had designed for me to do. I just had to say yes. Um, so it was birthed out of the foundation. Um, as another way to reach people that was not on social media and, you know, get into the homes that it can be global, um, provided digital, provided um, printed, um, that whomever needs to um, learn about um, mental illnesses and ways of maintaining mental, uh, good mental health. Um, I felt like it was necessary. They need to be on the doorstep. And I'm like, if, you know, if Essence and Oprah and all of them could do it and get it out there, you know, and they and I was like, it got to be a magazine that touch on everything, like give it from a fashion perspective, give it, get some poetry in there, you know, and I thank God we about to have Dear, Ab, uh, Dear Amanda in there, you know, uh, Faith and Mental Health, you know, so like just all the topics, all in one magazine, because I didn't want to just do a team because I was big on youth, I was big on youth and um, young adults, but I was like, I, I didn't want it, to, you know, I could just hear clearly it's all ages. You know, because um, it's like, should it be just a teen magazine? But I'm like, mental illness doesn't have an age. You know, it doesn't have an mm-hmm. age. And and, it, and and although we have a lot of uh, um, uh, African Americans in this magazine, but it's not, it's, it's not a, it's, it's for all race. It's just mm-hmm. that right now, that's who's connecting to me. But I don't, it's not even that, that's who I, it's not in a box. This is for all, all, all people matter in this magazine because all people deal with you know, um, mm-hmm. struggle with trying to maintain their mental health. You know what I mean? So, um, so I think this magazine is bigger than what I can see to kids, but I'm just going to ride. Hey, I know God got it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it, it changes like ideas and things and people connected is just coming. I'm like, wow, God, like I said, you would not have told me that saying yes would come to this. And we're about to come up on a year, a year. It's actually, um, cause the first one was, um, went out uh, the summer of last year. So we're coming up in a year. So I am just at awe, but I'm just so blessed. Yeah, I mean, the magazine is just doing some amazing work. Um, It made me feel really good when I was able to connect with you on social media because I was like, good, you know, it's almost like I'm like someone's, you know, someone's doing something that I was thinking about um, and figuring out, okay, 
because originally for me, it started as the podcast. And then once I started getting a hang of the podcast, I, given what my background being media and communications, I was like, okay, maybe a magazine. But when I saw this, I was like, this is super dope. She's doing some amazing work. And the proceeds from the magazine goes to support the We Fight Foundation. And can you just talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, so the foundation, um, we we just, um, we have a location now where we can actually have a spot besides fighting the calendar at the libraries and to be able to provide support groups. And I'm, I'm still learning how to get these workshops up and running, but I also want to have workshops. Um, and I'll, I, if I can always keep it reasonable um, or free, that's the purpose, like the, just having the funds. So when the proceeds go back in there from the, um, magazine and allow me to be able to have either free events or real reasonable events where they not because I don't want to be that people don't come for help because the tickets are so extremely high, you know, or mm-hmm. to, to, to join the workshop is extremely high, you know. So I wanted to be either free or a little or nothing to be able to come to classes. I want to be able to provide caregiver classes, suicide prevention classes, you know, mm-hmm. um, anger management. Anger management classes, all those things, things that, you know, um, you know, that's needed in the community um, for teens, you know, for the young ones, like just starting at the age of eight, you know, um, for the caregivers, you know, and adults. So we do have adult, we've been doing the adult Saturday support groups, and that's been successful um, um, as well. So um, the foundation is just, it's like the resource center and that has the, the information in the classes that's needed and, and support groups um, that's needed. And then through that, we try to have, you know, bigger events where maybe, you know, we're trying to get a fashion show going and things of that nature so it could expand it out even more. So with having um, some, so what we found was it's, it's, it's still difficult, you know, 501c3 um, grants is not always, you know, it's easy to, to get our hands on. So we had to find, you know, so just having a magazine to try to put those um, proceeds back and straight back into it, it helps us to be able to do those different things. And even with um, trying to connect with some third, a lot of therapists in that office and trying to figure out what we can work out too, you know, just if some, some we may be able to refer or provide to help with um, being able to get therapy if they can't afford it, you know, and things of that nature. So, um, uh, providing coaching of helping people to carry on the tools they might have learned from their therapist um, and to be able to provide that at a reasonable price, you know, stuff like that. So um, the proceeds is helping beyond, you know, um, because like I said, we're right now driving off. We're doing this without a um, grant. All the things we do, we're doing it without grants. So um, it'd be a blessing once we get to the point we can get a grant right and we get grants, but it's been, it's been a blessing to be able to get proceeds to go into that, to be able to still continue to do some things, you know, and not um, um, have to come out of our pocket. But, um, so, yeah. Yeah, I just, I love everything that you're doing. And I'm excited because now that, you know, we're connected and I was really blessed and fortunate to be able to be featured on the recent issue, the cover and Yay, I beautiful, and, beautiful. <laughs> and I just, you know, I've been sending it, you know, to, you know, sending it to different people and 
my family member have just loved it. I think the biggest oh one God, with my I like my great grandmother. Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. I still got to post it. I'm so terrible with social media, but I am going to post it because those things, oh my God, she just touched my heart. So it's like, but you know, they want to see us. I mean, that's like a not, think about it. Because if you, I'm sure your grandmother will probably know about your struggles and things you've been through. I know she had that moment like I have as a caregiver, just being like, oh, look at my dad. Because she was like, who is that? That's my child. <laughs> you know, but she's seeing you. Like, that, those things are, like, so big for us. Like, I know she probably had that same gratitude and feeling like I had. I was like, oh, look at her. Like, she's doing so good. And you're, you're, you're living, you're striving, you're thriving. And I'm so proud of you because just even hearing your story, you know, that was an honor. to You needed to be on the cover because at the end of the day, I mean, when they really get to hear and you know, answer to your questions and really read, read about you, you know what I'm saying? People look at you sometimes like because you're doing a podcast, you're doing all this now, but really like you don't even know where I just came from, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and how, how I overcame these things to get where I'm at. That's what makes it. That's why even with my daughter and seeing the picture, I'll be like, if y'all know my daughter's story, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. you believe it or not, there's so many people on the outside looking in and just kind of like uh, feel a certain kind of way because you're doing these things. But I'm like, it's like my fight to get here, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And, I, and you're just trying to connect to other people saying, I'm trying to share because I want to possibly help others to not go through half the things I've been through to even get to where I'm at, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was an honor, an honor to have you on the cover. So beautiful, perfect picture. I was just like, oh my God. So I am, I'm so honored to have you. And I thank you for, um, for the, this big God connecting us, divine connection. And I always tell you with the media part, you see, I'm trying to step out to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. hey, maybe kick your neck on that part and really try to make it happen. But, you know, I just thank, thank God for us connecting and getting the opportunity to get to know you and be a part of even your journey. Yeah, I mean, I know that this is this is just the beginning of like all that we're going to do, the work that we're doing. And then also this is just the beginning of us like working together, like because I'm like, there are going to be more things that we're going to work on together. You know, that's why I was like, I have to get you on the podcast to talk about the things that you're doing within, you know, your perspective as a caregiver. It's one that I have not had on the podcast so just thank you for, you know, taking time out of your day to just share your story and the work that you're doing to advocate for mental health. But before you go, I need you to share your website and social media handles so if anyone is interested in learning about the magazine, wants to purchase it, um, as well as the We Fight Foundation, what you're doing. Um, can you share all of that? Absolutely. So. The foundation is um, www.wefightfoundation.org, um, and same th- is um, at We Fight Foundation on Facebook and as well as IG. The magazine is www.rallyupmagazine.com, um, and this is same on IG um, at Riley Up Magazine and um, at Riley Up Magazine on Facebook as well. We're on IG and Facebook on both. And for the Rally Up magazine, we're actually on Twitter as well. Um, so we actually is um, on Twitter for the full, full Rally Up. So, yeah, um, if you want to purchase the magazine, we're trying to keep that. That's another thing. Just trying to keep it reasonable because I don't want to be a reason that no one um, purchased the magazine. So right now we have it at 850. 
Um, and on the website, um, we have the shipping and handling included, so it's 1025. And then subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Um, subscriptions are big, just keeping it going and knowing that you're a part of our Rally Up team. Um, subscriptions are 30. And so you actually end up seeing me get like a, a, a free magazine and you subscribe. It's, they're quarterly, they come out quarterly. Um, so you typically get uh, four magazines uh, a year, um, all topics, um, and we're always open for new, you know, new suggestions. Always you can email us at um, RileyUpMagazine at gmail.com with any ideas. Um, and if you have any questions for the foundation, you can reach out on info um, at WeFightFoundation.org. Yay. Thank you so much. I really enjoy speaking with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope that you obtain tools and resources from the Fireflies Unite podcast to help you manage your mental health. But please do not use it as a substitute for a relationship with a licensed therapist or psychiatrist. Let's continue the conversation by following me on Fireflies Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.